0: I want to encourage you to check out my other podcast. Among them is The War. It's a series of uh, podcasts. I did 277 episodes examining the history of World War II through uh, drama, news, uh, comedy, and music. From the pre-war era through the actual war and even into the post-war era, we cover just a lot of ground and it's a really emotional experience to listen to. If uh, you had family that uh, were alive during that era or if uh, you just uh, interested in World War II, I recommend it. Uh, check it out, thewar.greatdetectives.net. Uh, we also have the amazing world of radio at amazing.greatdetectives.net that features a summer series chosen by uh, the listeners and then several other series. Right now we're doing a holiday in series and you can listen to our St. Patrick's Day uh, podcast, uh, check it out at amazing.greatdetectives.net. Also, there's the video counterpart to this podcast, uh, public domain video theater. Uh, go ahead and uh, check out some classic public domain, uh, video detectives. Uh, just, uh, go to, uh, videotheater.greatdetectives.net. And if you're interested in classic comics and modern comics that are classy as well, be sure and go to ClassyComicsGuy.com uh, for my reviews of uh, comics as I search for the best comics in the universe. Well, now we're going to get into the very last existing episode of Mr. Keene Tracer of Lost Persons. The half-hour version of Mr. Keen ended October 1st of 1954. The serialized episodes continued on for three months more and then ended uh, January the 14th of 1955. Uh, And CBS decided to bring back the series one more time. This episode was the first of a new series of episodes that began February 22nd, 1955, uh, the uh, revival would only last eight episodes, and Mr. Keene would leave the air forever April the 19th of 1955. So, this is one of the last episodes of Mr. Keene. Uh, as I said, original air date February 22nd, 1955. And this is The Case of Murder and the Revengeful Ghost.
1: Now for
2: Mr. Keene, tracer of Lost persons.
1: Present Mr. King, Tracer of Lost Person, at this new time, every week, in a complete 30-minute mystery, in which the kindly old investigator brings us one of his most celebrated cases. Tonight, the case of murder and the revengeful ghost. <laughs> Our scene opens in a well-to-do home in the suburbs of New York. It is late in the evening as a tall, good-looking man opens the door to one of the rooms. He crosses to his desk in the semi-darkness. Suddenly he sees a sinister figure. A figure that instills horror in his heart. What? What are you? A phantom or a a human being? Shift your head and show your face. You? You've come to carry out your threat. No. I, I don't believe you have murder me. You can't. Don't come near me. No. <laughs> now you
2: must
1: be alone away telephone for an appointment here in my office. Yes, Mr. Keene, I am. Now, this is my partner, Mike Clancy. Pleased to meet you, Miss Wade. Say, hey, boss, the ladies. Hale is a ghost.
2: Ghost. Ghost. Mr. Keene, I've come here for help. My fiance, I stacy,'s been murdered. He was murdered by the ghost of his dead wife. She said she'd come back from the grave to murder him if he married again. And she has. She has. That's That's
1: What's all this? Miss Wade, you don't look like a girl who believes seriously in ghosts.
2: I never did, Mr. Keene. But now I do. I know that people can come back from the grave and commit murder. I see it with my own eyes. Just what did you see? I'll tell you the entire story, Mr. Keith. I met Ivor Stacy eight months ago. He was a millionaire. And the most wonderful person I ever knew. He and I were to be married this week. And he, he was killed practically on the eve of your wedding. Murdered by a ghost, Mr. Clancy. Under the weirdest circumstances. I was been married once before to a woman named Teresa. She died two years ago. Woman, Miss Wayne? She had an incurable illness, Mr. Keene, and she was sick for years. During those years, she developed a burning jealousy. She imagined i was always seen other women behind her back. Ivor Stacy,
1: the murdered man, told you all this, I presume.
2: Yes, Mr. Key. His wife, Teresa, became a shrew. She wouldn't let him out of her sight. She complained that he did nothing to help her overcome her illness, that he actually didn't care if she died.
1: And was any of this true, Miss Wade? Oh, no.
2: I've always faithful to Teresa until the end. But she didn't believe it. Then, on her deathbed, she made a horrible threat. She said that if Ivor ever tried to marry again, she'd come back
1: from the dead. Yes,
2: from the dead. She'd come back and stop it. She'd kill him. And I think she did, Mister King.
1: Try to calm yourself, Miss Wade. People don't return from the grave.
2: But I saw her. I saw a ghostly figure in grey that slipped out of Ivor's house just before I found his dead body. You really think you saw a ghost, Miss? I saw something, Mr. Glancy. I was bringing Ivor a book he wanted to read. It was almost dark when I got to his house. And from the sidewalk, I saw his door open. And this... This gray woman walk out. Then she seemed to vanish in the darkness.
1: You didn't see her
2: face? No. When I hurried inside the house, I found Ivor lying on the floor near his desk. He'd been stabbed to death.
1: Wade, did you tell a story of this so-called ghost to the police?
2: No. I was afraid they wouldn't believe me. It, but it sounds so fantastic. That's why I came here, to ask you to help me, Mr. King. I owe it to the memory of the man I love to get to the bottom of all this.
1: Suppose you take us to Ivor Stacey's home. I want to see just what the circumstances were.
2: Oh, Mr. King, don't you believe my story?
1: Yes, Miss Wade, I do. It's your interpretation of it that I question. But we'll soon find out a little more about your fiancé's murderer and the revengeful ghost. This is
2: Ivor's house, Mr. Queen.
1: Uh, Miss Wade, just where were you standing when the front door opened and the woman in grey walked up? Um, right about here. Boss, look. The door's open again. Yes, my very slowly. Girl, no
2: what's supposed to be inside that house right now? I'm frightened.
1: No one's coming out, sir. Put the door just open and stayed off. Oh, Mr. Katie. Now so please wait in our car, Miss Wade. Come with me, Mike. Well, I'm no expert on ghost boss, but from what I hear, they don't have to open doors to get out of the house. They can walk right through them. I doubt if we're dealing with a ghost just yet, Mike. There's no one here in the hall, Come into this room on the right, Mike. Oh, this must be the murder room. There's a desk over there. What's this on top of the desk? Looks like a pad of paper and a pencil, Mr. Casby. that has been scribbled on. Sure, and someone's drawn a lot of odd-looking little diagrams on it. Now, will keep this pad of paper for future reference. And uh, there's a door over there, Mike. And let's see where it leads. What? There's a man tied to that chair with a gag in his mouth. Here. Here, I take off that gag. There. Thank you. There's a killer loose in this house. He tied me to this chair after holding me up with a gun. I'm afraid he was going to kill me. I'll untie this man, Mike, while you search this house, quickly. Right, sir. My name is King. I'll have you free in just a moment. You're Mr. Keene, the famous investigator? Oh, I'm Alec Barnes. I didn't recognize the man who tied me to the chair. What were you doing in Ivor Stacy's home in the first place, Mr. Barnes? He was my business associate. His murder came as a terrible shock to me. About an hour ago, someone phoned my home. She said if I wanted to find Ivor Stacy's killer... I should come here. A woman, a woman phoned you? Yes, it was a woman's voice, Mr. Keene. But a very strange one. Why did you come here alone, Mr. Barnes? Alone? How do you mean? Well, if you thought you were going to meet either Stacey's murderer, why didn't you bring the police with you? Well, Mr. Keene, I... I wasn't sure if it was a hoax or not. I didn't want to make a fool of myself by... taking the police in a wild goose chase. Was that the real reason? Now, look, what reason would I have to... Mr. Keene. Mr. Keene, he's standing right behind you. The man who attacked me. He's holding a gun. Don't move, either of you. Who are you? Her name is Charles Harper. It'll do you any good. Charles Harper. I know who this man is, Mr. Keene. His sister, Teresa, was Ivar Stacy's wife. She died two years ago. Yes. My sister died. Of neglect and cruel treatment. Even while she was on her deathbed, Ivor Stacey was seeing other women. And Teresa swore he'd never marry again. Well, he won't. You're right, Mr. Harper. Where is he? I'm having this out with him right now. If you're referring to Ivor Stacey, you'll find him murdered. What? Yes. He's been murdered. I don't believe it. You're trying to hide him, to shield him from me. Do you feel this gun barrel against your head? Tell me where I Stacy is hiding or I'll finish you off. Kill he means it. Whether he does or not, Mr. Barnes, I've given him all the information I can. Don't move, mister. Or I'll put a bullet for you. Boss, drop the gun. Uh, Robert, do you hear? Here, I'll take that gun, Mr. King. You had a close call with this fellow. You came back just in time, Mike. Another second or two, and he may have carried out his threat. Who is he, boss? He's Charles Harper. The murdered man's brother-in-law. Oh, Mr. Keeney, it was just a bluff when I threatened you with that gun. I had no intention of harming you. I I don't know what came over me. You behaved like a man who was thirsting for revenge, Mr. Harper. And it may have been revenge that drove Ivor Stacy's killer to this craft. Then Ivor is really dead? You mean this is the first you heard about it, mister? He's trying to give us that impression, Mike. But I'm not so sure that I believe him. Oh, would I have come back here to look for a dead man, Mr. Keene? You may have returned to look for something the murdered man possessed. That could have been the reason you tied up his business associate, Alec Barnes, here, so you could search the house. Oh, Mr. Keene. Uh, yes, Mr. Barnes? Ivor Stacy once told me he had a brother-in-law who hated him. Did he? It was this man, Charles Harper. He thought Ivor was mistreating his sister, Teresa. He did mistreat her. He ruined her whole life. Mr. Keene, it looks like this fella might have carried out his sister's deathbed threat. She'd stop the husband from marrying again. And that's what I was thinking, Mike. But it, it was a foolish thing for Theresa to say. she knew well enough she couldn't return from the dead? But someone seems to believe that she did return, Mr. Harper. What do you mean? I mean, Mr. Mr. Keene, wait. What is it, Mike? Woman and prey. She's staring in that window. Don't turn around, boss. She thinks we haven't seen her. What does she look like, Mike? I can't tell. She's wearing a gray veil over her face. Which one long away to brought this case is right. She does look like a ghost. She's gone, boss. Now, was she at this window, Mike? Yes, sir. Now, there she is, walking away from the house. You remain here with the others, Mike. I'm going to follow that ghostly figure in gray and identify it once and for all. In just a moment, we'll return to Mr. Keene and the case of murder... And the Revengeful Ghost. Now, back to Mr. Keene and the Case of Murder and the Revengeful Ghost. Mr. Keene, the famous investigator, and his partner, Mike Clancy, are investigating the strange murder of Ivor Stacy, a widower, who is about to marry for the second time. Stacy's first wife, Teresa, had sworn just before her own death that if he remarried, she would return from the grave for revenge. And his fiancée, Lorna Wade, now fears that the murder could have been the work of a revengeful ghost. But Mr. Keene has other, more logical suspects in mind, as he follows the eerie figure of a woman completely dressed in a ghostly gray color. And the end of the trail leads the famous investigator to a small midtown apartment. Yes? Are you Miss Amy Fairchild?
2: Yes, I am. How do you know my name?
1: Right here under your doorbell.
2: Oh,
1: my name is Keith. Uh, may I come in?
2: What do you want, Mr. Keene?
1: I'm investigating the murder of Ivor Stacy. I'm
2: afraid pers- I don't know who he is.
1: I think you do, Miss Fairchild. You see, I followed you here from his home. A short while ago, you were peering through his window.
2: You must have the wrong woman.
1: No. Lona Wade, the victim's fiancée, identified you just before I started to follow you. She said you were the so-called ghost she saw coming out of the house right after Ivor Stacey was stabbed to death.
2: Mr. King,
1: what do you mean she saw a ghost? Lona Wade mistook you for the ghost of Ivor Stacey's dead wife, Teresa. Who swore she'd come back from the grave and stop him from ever marrying again? I don't
2: know anything about Ivor's murder. Please leave me alone.
1: You seem to be reluctant to answer that telephone, Miss Fairchild. Are you expecting a call you don't want me to
2: overhear? No, I.
1: You won't answer it, I will. Hello? And up to whom? see. hello, uh, no, my name is King. Uh, yes, the investigator. Uh, Miss Fairchild is involved in a murder case, Doctor. I see. Has she ever been violent? Well, let me get back to you later on, Doctor, and thank you for your information. It may have an important bearing on this case. Uh, goodbye. Mr. King, what did the doctors tell you? Evidently, Miss Fairchild, you've been under his care ever since you left a private sanitarium for the mentally
2: ill. They said I was cured, and I am. You've got to believe me, Mr. King. Please. Please. Miss Fairchild,
1: a man has been murdered, and you were seen leaving the scene of the crime. Now, as a mental patient, you'd be under strong suspicion.
2: All right. I'll tell you everything. However, Stacy was my cousin. It was he who, who had me committed to the mental institution. Did you resent you doing that? Well, maybe I did in the beginning. But I'm cured now, and I hold no grudge against him.
1: What were you doing in his home at the time he was murdered?
2: I went to thank him for having spent the money to have me cured. But he was dead when I got there. And I left the house quickly to avoid being implicated. That's when you were seen by Lorna Wade,
1: who mistook you
2: for a ghost. But, Mr. King, there is a ghost. I've seen her myself. You have? I was Stacy. Saw her, too, several times. And she terrified him. I'm sure it was the ghost of his dead wife, Teresa. Did you see her face? No, but I recognized a certain dress she was wearing. You don't believe me, do you?
1: You had a motive for murder yourself, Miss Fairchild. Revenge. That alone would make one a bit skeptical.
2: Mr. King, when you saw me looking in the window of Ivor's home, there was a man with you. He also had a motive for revenge. Which man do you mean? Alec Barnes, my cousin Ivor's business associate. Did Alec tell you that he was forced out of their business by Ivor? No, he didn't. Alec Barnes and my cousin Ivor were both fighting for control of their corporation. Ivor won the fight and forced Alec Barnes out entirely. That's
1: very interesting.
2: Alec swore he'd get even. And perhaps he did. By killing Ivor Stacy, Do you know why Alec Barnes was there in Ivor's house today?
1: He said he got a telephone call saying he'd find Ivor Stacy's killer on the scene of the crime.
2: I made that telephone call, Mr. King. You
1: made the call? Why, Miss Fairchild?
2: I was hoping to track it. I thought Alec Barnes would get himself away in some manner. Fairchild,
1: do you know a man named Charles Harper? Yes. His sister was Ivor Stacey's wife, who died after a long illness. Charles Harper is also under suspicion. He hated Ivor Stacey because he said Mr. Stacey was seeing other women while his wife was dying.
2: I don't think that's true, Mr. Key.
1: Now, tell me this. Did your cousin Ivor Stacey meet his fiancée, Lorna Wade, after his wife was dead?
2: Yes. His business associate, Alec Barnes introduced them to each other. He can tell you anything you want to know about my cousin Ivor's affairs unless he wants to deliberately hide something from you. You're very
1: bitter about this Alec Barnes. Why, Miss Fairchild?
2: He was this first to suggest that there was something wrong with my mind. Is that why you're so
1: willing to accuse him of murder? Why do you say things like that?
2: Are you against me like all the rest?
1: So, you can become violent, as the doctor said. Sir, child, I want you to stay here in your apartment until you hear from
2: me. Don't leave,
1: unless you want to be arrested on a murder charge. You can't do
2: that to me. I'm not a prisoner. I'm sorry, Mr. King. I'll do what you say.
1: The murdered man's girlfriend, Lona Wade believes that a revengeful ghost caused Ivor Stacey's death. And you say you've seen that ghost. But I have another theory, which I hope to put to a test very shortly after I return to the murder house. Well, how'd you make out, Mr. Keith? Mike, I followed our ghost to her apartment. She turned out to be very much alive where are the others? Inside, Mr. King. I put them in separate rooms to avoid trouble. And I locked Charles Harper, the brother-in-law, in to be sure. What's this sheet of paper here on this table? Anything important on it, boss? Maybe it's clue to this murder. Mike, how long were you and the other two men in this room? Oh, about a half hour before I sent them inside. And where were they sitting? Well, the Harper was... Over there and Alec Barnes, is in this chair. I see. Mike, I'm going out again for a short time. Uh, Let me have your skeleton key and keep a sharp eye on our suspect. When I return, we may have all the evidence we need to convict the killer. Oh, you're back already, Mr. G. What's in that package you carry? You'll see him just a moment, Mike. Uh, please call the two men in here. Okay, sir. Uh, Step inside, Mr. Barnes. Mr. Keane wants to see you. Yes, Mr. Keane? Uh, just a moment, Mr. Barnes. <clears throat> I want Charles Harper, the murdered man's brother-in-law, to hear this, too. Come into this room, Mr. Harper. You locked me in. You're treating me like a criminal. I'm afraid you're acting like a criminal, Charles Harper. For one thing, you were carrying a gun. Mr. Keene, you admitted he hated Ivor Stacy, But he had a motive to kill his brother-in-law. So did you, Mr. Barnes. What? You and Stacy were partners in a very successful business. And did I understand it, he forced you out of the firm and ruined you financially. Are you going to accuse me of murder... Because of a business transaction? No, Mister Barr. Because it isn't true. I know it isn't true. Well, thank you for that much. Uh, don't thank me too quickly. You may regret it. What do you mean? Mike, you know what doodling is. Doodling, Mister James. Oh, sure, Boss. Oh, Those are little pictures and diagrams that some people draw on paper to a while away the time, or when they're talking on the telephone. Yes, usually done absentmindedly. You remember that when we first came into this house, we found a small pad of paper on the desk where the murder took place. Sure, Mr. Keene. It was scrawled with a lot of doodads and crooked lines. This paper I just discovered here on this table is covered with the same kind of scroll. Little diagrams and pictures on both the pad and this paper are alike. But then the same fellow made them both, Mr. Key. Exactly, Mike. The murderer apparently idled away his time while waiting for his victim by drawing on the pad of paper. And just a few minutes ago, that same murderer passed the time again, in the same fashion. The man who was sitting in that chair near the table. Yes. And that man is Alec Barnes. What? Barnes, you murdered your business partner, Ivor Stacey. Do you think you can hold me on that kind of evidence, Mr. Keene? I have further evidence. In this package. Please open it, Mike. I... there's two dresses in here. Yes. Dresses that belonged to the murdered victim's dead wife, Teresa Stacy. I found them in Alec Barnes' apartment. He stole those dresses after Mrs. Stacy died so he could impersonate her as a ghost and frighten her husband. Alec Barnes was a revengeful ghost. I think I'd better search this over o You What? He's carrying a switchblade knife. Look. You slap this button on the end, then the knife pops out. Look at the size of it. Looks like there's blood on the blade near the handle. It's undoubtedly the murder weapon. You'll have to prove that, Keel. There's no use putting up a front farm, because I also know your real motive for murdering Ivor Stacey. Or do you? I found out that it was you who introduced Stacy to Lorna Wade, the girl he later was going to marry. Lorna. Yes. The girl who asked me to investigate her fiance's murder. And, Mike, I talked to Miss Wade again just before I came in here. She's waiting just outside the door. I'll ask her to come in, boss. Uh, come in, please, Miss Wade. Lorna.
2: Alec. Has the key? What have you told him? What did
1: you say about me? Miss Wade, please repeat what you told me on the way over to this house.
2: I told you, Miss King, several times in the past. Alec Barnes tried to force his attentions on me. He was infatuated with me. Lorna, you're putting me in the electric chair.
1: Lorna Wade didn't connect you with the murder, Alec Barnes. Or she would have told me this before. Her mind was only on the fact that a ghost may have been responsible for Iversace's death. All right. I'll admit it. I killed Stacy. He forced me out of the firm. But that wasn't the thing that nearly drove me crazy. It was losing you, Lorna.
2: look, I told you I didn't love you. I only loved Ivor.
1: If it hadn't been for him... Mr. Keene, I thought I could make Lorna love me with Stacy out of the way. Anyway, when I thought I was losing out to him, I couldn't stand it. So you broke into Ivor Stacy's house and waited for him to return with a nine-inch knife in your hand, after masquerading as his wife's ghost. You evidently knew about the threat she had made, that she'd return from the dead and kill him if he ever tried to remarry. Yes, I knew. At first, I tried to frighten Stacy away from Warner by appearing as his wife's ghost. When that didn't work, I used another method. Yes, murder. Planned in a cool, remorseless fashion you gave yourself away when you scribbled idly on that pad of paper while waiting for your victim to arrive. Mike, turn Alec Barnes, our revengeful ghost, over to the police for the murder of Ivor Stacy. And so, Mr. King finds the solution to the case. Of
0: murder and the revenge vocal. welcome back. The uh, therapist of that formerly mentally ill woman was certainly cooperative, I would say a bit too cooperative. You know somebody just calls up over the phone and you just give away all of your uh, patient's information. Then again, I guess he is Mr. Keene, the famous investigator. All right, well, listener comments and feedback now. And we start with this comment. Kevin says, just for grins, it would be fun to hear Bob and Ray do Mr. Trace keener than most persons, too. Well, Kevin, thank you so much. I did play one of their parodies. It kind of went off the rails, uh, but uh, I did decide, since this is the very last episode, we tracked down a couple more. So uh, we've got two uh, Mr. Tracer parodies. The original air dates, March the 1st of 1960 and May the 9th of 1960. Let's go ahead and take a listen.
3: Time now for Mr. Trace, keener than most persons as he takes from his files another case. The case of the hiccuping tragedian. It's early afternoon in the office of the surly old investigator as he and his assistant, Spike Delancey, sit looking out the window. Oh, say for Zavis. Mr. Trace, this is as keen a day as I've seen in a long time. Well, you're the person to pick it out, keenly. Well, I'll tell you this, Mr. Parson. I can keen a trace... Five times as many times as you could. Well, I'm put back certain... in your in your in your trace and case... keep. <laughs> well, I'll be first if I know the oh the telephone spike. Oh. <coughs> Hello. Yes, this is the office of Mr. Persons. What is it? A new case, Spike? Well, he's not too keen on it, no. Yeah. All right, well I'll see if uh, he'll talk to you. Hello? Oh, Mr. Mosby. Oh. Just a minute. If you want to talk to him, he's the producer, sir. Yes, all right. Uh, give me the phone, receiver, Spike. Hello. Hello. This is Mr. Trace, keener than most persons. Are you the famous tracker down of lost people and nuts and things? Mostly, yes. Good. You see, I'm a famous producer who's putting on a Shakespeare, a Shakespeare play. Yes, I read about it. It's called Julius Caesar. Yes. And for some mysterious reason, in each performance... My cast gets hiccoughs, and I suspect sabotage. Strange indeed. Smells like dirty work to me. I wonder if we could have your services, sir. Yes, of course. My assistant Spike Delancey and I will be right over to the theater. Fine. We're at the Martin Gable Theater. Don't do anything until I get there. Stay precise. Quiet, Spike. We've got to be on our way. Well, here we are, Spike. Say, it's bizarre. Just look at all them curtains and all them heavy weights. It's a theater, Spike. Oh, look at them actors out on the stage. Don't anyone leave the... Th- oh, they can't leave. They're in the middle Antonius of the production. Says, please Antonius... Say, it's my Lord, forget not in your speed, Antonius, to touch California. <laughs> a very good Our production, it looks like, Spike. I'm in this holy chamber. Take off their sterile curse. I'll remember. When Caesar says do this, it is performed. Set on and leave no ceremony out. It loses some of its flavor with all of that hiccuping, doesn't it? I don't understand the language they say saying. anyway. Caesar, be dead, be still. Peace, yet again. Uh, Spike? In the press that calls Mr. Tracy, yes. lean back, the weight has fallen down. Ball, It'll hit you right on the mouth. What do you mean, sir. Spike? Turn back, sir. I'll be personed if there's any... Those were shots, Spike. Look, someone's been shot in the balcony. For example, I've hiccups myself. Yes, I'm suffering from the same... The problem myself. Let me and so Mr. Trent goes about his mostly ghast with, with the case of the hiccuping cat. Be sure and join us next time when we'll hear Spike Delancey say, oh, I, say it's bizarre, I feel like a nut. In the next episode of Mr. Trace, Keener Than Most Persons. Now it's time once again for Mr. Trace, Keener Than Most Persons, as the surly old investigator and his assistant, Spike Delancey, take from the files the case Mr. Trace calls the murder of the missing eavesdropper. It's early afternoon as we join Mr. Brace and Spike the in his office just off Times Square. Say, it's Prasavis, sir. Hey, where's my disc on, sir? Well, it should be right over there in the corner, Spike. It was there this morning. Say, it's far as It's not there now. Open the window and let a little more light in, Spike. It's well, dark here. Well, just a moment, sir no window here either. You mean someone has taken the window completely? Since for service, Mr. Tracely. I'm person and kid. Well, I'll be peopled if something hasn't happened. Well, Mr. People, I don't care who kids, but I'll be traced. If I'll disappear here... That's tractable, Spike. Go downstairs and warm up the high-powered black limousine. Sakes, life. I'm truly peopled. Open the door, Spike. You can't open the door. It's off the hinges. Says bizarre, Mr. There's there's no door here, sir. No, I've noticed that earlier. I think there's something wrong here, Spike. Wait, just just a moment, sir. What? I believe we're in the wrong studio, sir. I believe you may be right, Spike. Trace calls a halt to the case he called the case of the missing props. Be sure and join him next time when we'll hear Spike Delancey expostulate, Saint Brazana, sir, I'm keenly. In the next episode of Mr. Trace, Keener Than Most Persons.
0: Welcome back. I love the description of uh, what Mr. Tracer does in the uh, first parody. And I also have to say I thought that it was a really nice touch in the second one that they did go ahead and play uh, Somewhere I'll Find You, the original uh, Mr. Keen theme. And I guess it does say something for a series if uh, a show like Bob and Ray is still making fun of it five years after it's left the air. Bishop Andrew uh, writes in, "Uh, Dear Adam, being impatient, I found the last two episodes of the Shrieking Prisoner murder case. Great fun to hear uh, Ronald Lung as George Wheeler. You will recall that he was the Sebastian uh, Cabot lookalike in the Checkmate program you played a while back on Video Theater. He always turned in a solid performance, but I think this is the first time I've heard him on a radio program. Uh, All the best. Thanks so much. And then we will close with this comment from uh, Eric, uh, who writes in, uh, and this one again was on the sh- uh, case of the Shrieking Prisoner murder case. As Mr. Keene winds down, I find myself reflecting on how shows from long ago are remembered or forgotten. Mr. Keen was once so popular, it ran almost two decades, produced 1,690 episodes, was poached by other networks, mentioned in other pop culture like Bye Bye Birdie, I never got that reference till now, but now is almost completely forgotten. While I've enjoyed it for today's ears, it probably leans on all the wrong cliches of shows from the era. Melodramatic acting outside of the very calm lead. Dialogue that repeats names and the same plot points very frequently in case we miss them. Most notably in this episode, a character saying, I'll chop the two of you to pieces with this axe if you try to go upstairs. And then literally 15 seconds later, are you going out or do I chop the both of you to pieces with this axe? Plots that sometimes hinge on something the audience didn't see, but Mr. Keen did. And boy, were some of them convoluted. I'll miss Mr. Keene, the famous investigator, and his partner, Mike Clancy. I'll especially miss uh, the show's use of favorite openings in all of detective fiction. A victim being attacked by an unknown uh, silent assailant while they narrate everything happening but the motive and name. Oh, it's you. I thought you were in Europe. What are you doing in my parlor? No, wait! Put down the candlestick! Stop hitting me with it! No! He's been a good uh, dishwashing company. 55 episodes seems about enough for me, though. Don't think I'd have stuck around for a thousand plus of them. Saints preserve us. That's a lot of shows. Yeah, I I can definitely understand where you're coming from, Eric. And I know this uh, show was, you know, it was a huge ratings hit. Uh, and that's, you know, part of the reason it lasted so long. But of the popular things that have been uh, forgotten from the golden age of radio, this is far from the best. But it has been entertaining and enjoyable for what it is. And I would not mind if another 10 episodes, you know, or 20, I would be very happy to, you know, play them. But I do hear you with just the sheer volume of episodes. If, uh, you know, somebody said, well, good news, we... I've gone ahead and found all the episodes of Mr. Keen and digitized them and I've sent them on a DVD so you can start playing them. Well, I guess that would, I guess I could only sum up my reaction as, yeah, saints preserve us. All right. Well, that will do it for today. Uh, join us back here tomorrow for standby for crime. And then next Monday, next Monday, we begin our listener's choice countdown. And the shows that you voted for will be played as we count down to your favorite uh, series. Uh, so uh, be sure and listen every Monday for the Listener's Choice uh, Countdown. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter, or Radio Detectives, and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives.